welcome back to Mind the Music. It is already the last episode of this year and I cannot believe I've been doing this for a year already. Time flies. So mental health in the electronic scene is a topic that has become more and more discussed this past year and has been catapulted into the spotlight after Avicii's death in April last year. However, not even a year later, after the prodigy's Keith Flint committed suicide, the question arises, has enough been done for mental health in the dance music industry? It seems like there is still quite a lot of work ahead of us. I know of many individuals, including myself, who have made it their life's mission to positively contribute to artists' well-being through their professional or volunteer activities. Some go solo, some join communities, and others work through organizations. I, myself, in the hopes of getting more involved, joined an organization called AFEM, which is the Association for Electronic Music, that I want to highlight in this episode today and explore how far the music industry has traveled in terms of mental health since 2018, what else we can do, and what some of the biggest highlights of 2019 were. Plus, we're also getting a little sneak peek into what's coming for mental health in the music industry in 2020. But first, we're going to listen to a piece of music and then we will dive into the conversation. Mm-hmm. 
So today I am delighted to be able to speak to Tristan Hunt, who is the regional manager of AFEM, uh, which is the Association for Electronic Music. Hey Tristan, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I'm very well and I'm happy we get to do this, um, especially as we're going to round up the year. It's almost the end of the year. It's really nice to be able to uh, get a little bit of an overview as to the state of mental health in the music industry and more specifically in electronic music. Um, but before Absolutely. we dive into that, um, just a little bit about you. So for people who don't know you, who are you and what do you do in the music industry? Right, so um, my name is Tristan Hunt. I, I work um, for the Association for Electronic Music, which is the, the global trade body for the genre. So we work across 27 countries. And we have over 200 members across every sector of electronic music. We're um, the genre champion. So anything that might affect anybody that works in that genre, um, whether they be in the light of things, the recorded side, working in management through some marketing PR, um, we represent their interests. Um, and within that, we obviously have a lot of commercial focus in terms of the work. Um, but we also have many working groups that look at the cultural side of things, whether that might be um, diversity and inclusion, um, through to education, uh, and then also specifically mental health. So we have a we have a, a protect um, a mental and physical health working group, um, which I helped to co-found two years ago. Um, we've recently had um, elections. Um, you're a, um, a much valued member of that group, um, and <laughs> I think you're aware that we have maybe about. 40 members um, worldwide who are part of that group that feed into the work that we do and we just had elections for that um, with three new chairs appointed. Um, so my work's very much um, about representing people within our community, both at a business level, so helping them make connections and develop their business, um, as well as looking after their well-being and, and making sure that those people within it, we have a, a healthy and happy community. And I think you do a great job at that. <laughs> I've only been a men member for for a little um, a little less than a year, I think. Earlier right. this year, I became a member. So yeah, it's 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 already been a pleasure, and I'm really excited to see what else will come, especially in the working group that you just mentioned. Um, Absolutely. But um, okay, so you've really already covered really nicely what what AFEM is and what it does. Um, but what about you? So before AFEM, who what were you doing? What were you up to in your life? <laughs> right, so AFM's been a big part of my life for, for, for quite a long time. I, I was originally a member myself. So uh, five years ago, a year after it was set up, um, I, I was a member then. Um, I was working for an anti-piracy company at the time, so providing um, copyright protection for rights holders. So everyone from spinning an armada through to ultra, whole wide range of different copyright holders. Um, and within that space, um, I started doing some, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some, um, uh, sort of, I guess, work um, on the different um, uh, boards within AFEM, helping out with various different things, um, and then got elected to the executive board, which is the, the governance part of AFEM. So it's a democratic organisation that's run by its members. So I, I served um, a term and a half on there, and um, before stepping down to to work actually um, full time for the organisation. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah, I've worked, I mean, that's that's more my recent history. I've worked around music for the last 15, 16 years. Started in uh, clubs in Ibiza back in the late 90s. <laughs> really? Um, I didn't know <laughs> that. That's right, amazing. Yes. So, um, doing lighting and laser engineering for, for various clubs like Manumission, so working at Privilege um, in Ibiza. 
um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, really for space, every single venue on, on the island, spending seasons working out there um, in between university. Um, and then I came back here um, and I've spent the last, I guess, where are we? Sort of 15, 16 years working around the world, Australia, Spain, um, the UK, um, in various different roles around music events. Um, and yeah, that I guess is my, is my background. Um, I DJ a bit as a hobby um, and uh, like going to, to various festivals and things in a, in, a, in a fun capacity, but I tend to go to work these days. Um, and yeah, electronic music has been a part of my, my entire adult life. Yeah, it sounds so exciting. I, I didn't know that. So you never know, can always learn new things about people, right? right. <laughs> so this also means you really had like a really nice kind of helicopter 360 view of the industry that you're working in now because you were covering various roles and worked around the world. So I guess that really must give you, um, you know, in general, big insights into your job right now. Um, and a bigger understanding. And I think that can be really interesting and valuable to have as a background. Um, right. So a little bit more about AFVM, um, about the members, who can join? So who can actually um, join, become a member of AFVM? So anyone can become a member um, so long as they're part of the company. So we're principally there to serve companies. Um, and some of those companies are just a single individual um, right the way through to some of the, the biggest companies within our space from CAA and WME through to, to Beatport, Boiler Room, SoundCloud. Um, so we have a very diverse um, membership. Um, but yeah, really anyone that's working within our industry can become a member. Okay, interesting. And what made you want to work specifically for this organization and, and in this field, basically? I spent some, it's a good question because it's, it's a very specific role. Um, I, I spent some time working for charities, so working for NGOs and INGOs, um, including ActionAid. Um, I've been a trustee on a charity before. And I think that experience of having both experience in the commercial world and also in the philanthropic charitable world um, made me want to move sort of into a space that was somewhere in between. I didn't know what that looked like. <laughs> um, so I'm drawn to this sort of space where I'm doing both commercial work and charitable work, but uh, I didn't know what that, that was. And then this opportunity came along, having spent time on the executive board, seeing the organisation from the inside out. You know, this is a, it's, it's an organisation that's there to be a voice for people that often don't have a voice, whether that's um, doing lobbying work, talking to very big organisations to make sure that our members are getting a fair deal. Mm -hmm. um, right the way through to things like releasing the um, mental health guide, which we recently produced, um, which you, you fed into and, and were across. Um, and, and a big thanks to all of our, our members that contributed to that, um, where we can actually then have an impact, hopefully on the day-to-day -day lives of members at every level, not just within the organization, but right across our, our community, yeah. so that you're producing something and doing something that has a meaningful impact on people's lives, as well as helping the businesses. Mm, yeah, that's well, that, that's a wonderful mission and one I always wanted to join. So and happy, happy that I did. Um, now, talking about the mental health guide, um, what is your take on artist well-being in general? So I think in terms of the publicity that has been drawn towards the artist's state of well-being obviously there's been some very high profile cases in recent years um most recently with keith flint uh passing away this year taking his own life 
and, and with Tim Bergling Avicii taking his life last year, um, and unfortunately many other cases alongside that over the, over the last few years, that's really brought the subject into sharp relief, and there's been a great focus on artists. I think within our industry, artists are often the most susceptible to mental health issues because they, by nature, can often be um, more sensitive. Um, they are they're creatives um, who are then often forced um, through circumstance, through the work that they do, to work quite unsociable hours or do touring or do things which can leave you feeling quite isolated. Mm. Um, it, you know, whether you're up and coming and you're slaving away producing in your bedroom and <laughs> trying to make that first big track that's going to get you noticed, or you're a main stage artist that's just stepped off stage gone from playing to thousands of people to being back into a silent hotel room uh, on your own and then just dealing with that transition from one to the other. Um, you know, these are, these are some fairly big challenges for anyone to deal with. Um, but I think for artists especially, there's a precarity of earnings at one end where most artists are really struggling to, to make ends meet or they're doing multiple jobs, they've got lots going on just to be able to make the music and DJ. Uh, right through to those who, who are big names. And obviously, you know, we're often familiar with stories like uh, Avicii's where there was an individual obviously under a huge amount of stress and pressure doing a schedule which was many times more grueling than, than really anyone could take. Um, yeah. And, and you know, these things have a significant impact on, on the mind. So I think to your question about artists, they are probably at the, the more vulnerable end of our community in terms of how they're impacted by the work that they do and the environment they're in. But the question of mental health stems from us to, to our entire community. It's, it's, it's a point which, as you well know, um, because you, you champion it yourself, um, affects absolutely everyone. Yeah, for sure. And this is definitely a point, um, a very good point to make because it's something that I hear a lot in conversations or, for example, when I organize a workshop and I get um, questions from people who are not artists um, asking me like, okay, why are you only focusing this on artist well-being? Because we suffer as well, you know, right. in all the other roles in the music industry. And right. I always say like, you know, I'm just one person. I can't be everything for everyone. So I specifically chose to niche down so that hopefully I can learn as much as I can from a smaller group and then really branch out, you know, to other other groups to other other target groups but obviously if somebody wants to join a workshop or, or a debate or, or a coaching session that is not an artist but if the the message that I'm bringing forth resonates then obviously I won't say no to that person you know right um, but it's also for my own mental health and my well-being that I need to need to be able to focus on on a smaller group so that I can actually service those people properly without burning out myself. And I think that's a really good point it, it is who's who's watching the watchers? Who's who's taking care of the people that are taking care of people? Yeah. So for an artist that might be their manager. And when I speak to managers at all levels, they all say the same thing when I ask them the question. You've just told me this often quite uh, intense sometimes very stressful story about an artist which they're managing and looking after. Mm. Who do you offload to? Who's looking after you? And they're, they're, well, no one, you know, it's, it's, it's often just them. And in yeah. some cases, yes, they're, they're reaching out uh, and they're starting to get um, support like your own um, or from, from other sources. And we're, we're, that, we're seeing that increase now, which is wonderful. That's really positive. Yeah. Um, but in tandem to that, it's people like yourself that are doing this great work where you're um, 
enabling people to have these careers in these environments which are stressful, then yeah, you've got to you've got to be really mindful for yourself as well and go actually, do you know what? Here's my boundaries, and here here are my breaking points, yeah. um, and and this is what I'm going to do to take care of myself so I can um, survive and thrive. Yeah, and also I think. You know, when I got into this business that I created for myself, I kind of, I think I was too ambitious. I thought I was going to change the music industry like, you know, like that. Um, and then I quickly realized, no, 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 that's, that's not the way it's going to work. Um, because also I was, um, and, and this is something that many people do, um, I was thinking people are thinking the way I'm thinking, you know. Right. And then I quickly realized that while being at the, at the, moments when I started, well-being was not a very hot topic in the music industry. Right. And then I just realized, okay, I need to need to find my niche and collaborate with other people because that really amplifies your efforts. You know, it's kind of like a butterfly effect. And if you can start small and then step by step branch out and find people who can help you and who can support you or vice versa, then you can actually make a bigger impact. hundred percent. And I think the great thing about the work that you're doing with artists is that Artists have a trickle-down effect as well, so you have the impact of actually helping the individual, um, which in itself has massive value and it can, can literally be pivotal for, for individuals. Um, but then obviously artists have a following and they have lots of people around them. So an artist is able to influence as well. Mm. And what we're seeing increasingly is artists who are choosing, hopefully when they're comfortable and it's right for them, but they're coming out and they're talking to their fans or they're talking more publicly about their mental health which has this wonderful destigmatizing effect. Um, you know, it can often be helpful for the artist um, yeah. because suddenly some of the pressure's taken off and they don't feel they're so alone. And when you look at the support that comes in from fans, as you, as you know, you know, probably from working with your own artists, it's, it's universally positive. People, you know, they reach back out uh, and they're supportive and they're loving. And, you know, that in itself, um, and I don't have any figures for this, I'm not sure if there are any, but if you think about the number of people that a single artist can touch, um, even at a, a low level when they're coming up, it's potentially mm -hmm. significant. Get to main stage events and, and at that level, it's huge. And that will hopefully cause lots of people to have these little moments where they go, it's okay not to be okay. And, and maybe I want to talk about this more. Uh, that's a positive thing for our community for sure. Yeah, I, I, to I totally agree with that. And I think it's it's a beautiful point to, um, to uh, bring up. Um, because yeah, indeed, I think you, you just have to do, do that with the help of a community. It's not something you can just do by yourself unless you're maybe, I don't know, <laughs> Gandhi or something that has such a huge impact on the world as just one person. But, right. you know, that's like um, utopia to think that, that, that we will all be able to do that by ourselves. So it's good to have supports. Um, and I've always believed in communities and um you know, like AFEM, like she said so, which I've been a part of for a long time, like Women in Music, same, um, and right. just other smaller communities as well, like Facebook groups, uh, LinkedIn groups. I think it's it's beautiful that people keep looking for the, that connectedness and that unity to, to, to together change something, you know, that can impact their own lives and hopefully the lives of others. So, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, looking back, at 2019 so far, um, what are some of the biggest highlights for AFEM, according to you? 
I touched on the, the mental health guide launch recently, which we, we couldn't have done without the support of, of Music Managers Forum, um, Music Supports and Help Musicians UK. We, we adapted a guide which they produced back in 2016, <coughs> excuse me, um, which was a fantastic resource in itself for the wider music community. Mm-hmm. And we tailored it for the electronic music community. Yeah. Um, so it's, we increased its length, we added some more detail in there, we, we updated a few pieces. Um, we launched that just before the Amsterdam Dance event. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat today. Um, and the support was incredible. You know, we, we, if, you, if, you, if you go to Google it, um, then the first two pages of Google are covered with Resident Advisor, DJ Mag, TAC Magazine, IQ, um, Mix Mag. The media got fully behind it. Um, which again, I think is a litmus test for just how important a subject this is. Yeah. Would that say, would we've got that same response five or six years ago? I, I probably think we wouldn't have, you know, I, I just, mm-hmm. if you look at, if you look at conference headlines five or six years ago to what they were now, they were very commercially orientated. Now, if you look at the headlines of if we take um, International Music Summit and um, Amsterdam Dance Event at the two, you know, these are both two of the biggest music conferences, electronic music conferences in the world, headlining with diversity and inclusion, mental health, right? So <laughs> these subjects have become paramount to our industry. Yeah. So launching the guide seemed really timely. We got a huge amount of support off that, really positive from our networks and, and more broadly. So I think for us as an organization, um, that was a huge thing to be proud of because you know that really had an impact um, in terms of our community. We're, we're doing, some diversity and inclusion work at the moment where we're looking at um, our industry to see how inclusive it is. Um, we launched a survey just before the Amsterdam Dance event uh, and this is being shared at the moment um, within the industry to businesses to ask individuals within those businesses, employees, um, questions about how included they feel, um, how diverse the company is and what their experiences are um, from different um, gender ethnicity, sexuality, points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're hoping by doing that to build up a better understanding of um, the, um, I guess, the, the equality or lack thereof that exists in our industry. Um, you know, I guess I can't, I can't share any statistics from it, from it yet, but they've been really engaging. One thing I, I guess I can say is that the, the response rate that we've had has been almost 50-50. Wow. Which it, which yeah exactly and That's and, and it was a it was a it was a wow for us as well yeah because I think we all had a preconception that it was going to be answered predominantly by and when I say 50 50 I'm just specifically here talking about gender mm-hmm. um yeah. but we we had a, a feeling that it might be weighted one way or the other mm-hmm. so to get that straight away what we're now gathering is a far more empirical um even set of results to hear from both genders about their experience um, and then hopefully that will draw some, some useful conclusions for us um, about yeah it. yeah that's amazing yeah no for sure and also because it's not easy to gather um that kind of data so um you know you have to you have to start somewhere obviously and and then um you know build upon that um but i just think it's interesting to already see especially so early on that um that you can already be really surprised with the results and then hopefully you know we can get more excited about the rest <laughs> the rest of the data right absolutely and i would say more broadly in terms of in terms of an organization mm-hmm. um you know our membership has we've increased massively over the last year we've we've had 
60 new members come on board since this time last year. Um, people like yourself bringing in a, a really diverse range of experience where we've got more mental health practitioners, we've got um, more people that are working in the coaching space. The, the supportive roles that help our industry to function, like your own, um, that's increased in, in tandem with other large commercial companies and organisations coming on board. Um, so yes, we're just about to launch a new website, um, which I hope to go live in December or January. There's lots of really good things going on. So we've, we've had a great year so far. Oh, that's nice. So in comparison to 2018, what, what would you say would be better in terms of mental health initiatives in the music industry? So 2018 as comparison to this year. The, quest, the question that was asked, um, or I asked the audience when I spoke at the International Music Summit back in May of this year, mm-hmm. uh, with Tim Bergling's father, um, Klaus Bergling had just given an interview, so Avicii's father had just given an interview with Pete Tom, which was very moving uh, and very candid about his son's journey. Um, and I then spoke after and one of the questions I asked us as an industry is is what still needs to change why why a year on from Avicii's death this was back in May of this year are we still seeing suicide happen and to go to sort of bigger statistics if you look at the World Health Organization you've got about around about 850 million people a year that take their own lives so suicide is a massive problem for for the world not just our community this is something that obviously affects every single aspect of our community um so the work that we're doing unfortunately isn't quick and i'm speaking specifically here in with regards to, to mental health um but it is happening you know it, the conversation is still quite at an early stage but it is positive you've got large companies, individuals coming out, speaking about this topic openly now. Um, and the subject's really in the, in the sort of, it's main stage. It's, mm. it, it's a headline at conferences. So that, the fact that that's gone up to the level it is, and it's got the attention that it's, it's now getting, mm-hmm. and that's staying like that, that's not changing. And I don't think it's going to go anyway, way, away anyway, anytime soon. I think that's really positive. Um, as as an organization um as i say we've experienced a, a lot of growth and lots of development where the members are leading it they're, they're really pushing us um to champion the subjects which are key which are diversity inclusion which are mental health um and it's also looking after the the economic side as well so um progress i guess is the short word to say no, that's that's really great. And also, um, you touched upon something uh, pretty interesting, which kind of ties into my next um, question. So you said earlier that there are more people like me, for example, coaches um, joining the organization. Right. And I think that really ties in nicely what I want to ask you about, you know, how to reshape the scene and how to um, come up with different types of business models within the music industry that also include um, support. For example, um, a a mental health coach in in a booking agency or like, um, you know, having that in a record label, like as a a fixed role, you know, finding it normal to have that in your company. Those are things that I feel like should be, should be, uh, we should be moving towards. 
and also just really finding better business models than the ones that we have now and that only benefit a certain percentage of, um, of the music industry professionals. What do you think about that? What are your thoughts? I think they're two great points. Um, to answer your first one, there's definitely a shift towards us moving to a standardization of having coaches and mental health an intrinsic part of the fabric in businesses. Um, this, I think, is starting with artist management. I was talking to uh, an artist manager earlier this year who looks after um, a very well-known DJ, um, <clears throat> and he was telling me about how for this year, for this individual, they've incorporated um, uh, healthcare into his pre-, during-, and post-tour experience. So they're um, working with a coach to, to brief him, um, uh, and he has certain challenges about the touring process, but the coach is working with him before he goes away um, on those points. And then actually whilst he's away, he's got um, uh, the opportunity to Skype and to right. talk to the coach. Um, so if he has that experience where he comes back from a hotel room, he's able to have a conversation with um, his coach and say, look, I feel really isolated, I feel really alone. Um, maybe everyone's partying, I don't want to party, but I feel like I kind of should or whatever, whatever it might be that, that comes up. Yeah. And then also that, that, that thing of dealing with, with loneliness, that they're, they're, they're pairing the individual up with, um, uh, with other artists in the cities that he's visiting as part of the tour. So that, that he's able to, um, he's able to um, work in the studio with other artists on tour. So again, feeling connected to people, not, not, not feeling alone. Talking to the coach throughout, coming back, and then decompressing, mm. uh, and being able to offload, not having to carry a load of baggage around. So, it's a very brief example of, of, I guess, one scenario. But if you look at how social media, accounting, marketing, PR, we've got all of these facets, right? Which are just standard. You go, yeah, you've got an accounting department, right? And who, who's yeah. doing your PR? Who's doing your social media? Um, you know, who, who's on point with these different key aspects of your career? The idea that businesses would start to incorporate coaches and mental health professionals uh, just as part of the work that they do. Um, again, six or seven years ago, even that would, people would just be like, are you, are you serious? Like, <laughs> where, where's the money going to come from? How are we going to afford that? Now I think the conversation is how, how do we not, how can we not afford to do that? Right. So yeah. how, we invest all of this time in recruiting staff and training people up artist careers, obviously they put, you know, the teams around the artists put a huge amount of time, energy and effort into get, getting the artist to that level. Well, how, how do we prevent them from having a break in touring? How do we have a touring schedule that is manageable and happy and healthy for mm -hmm. that individual where there's balance? So moving from short term gain, um, to, to longevity. Yeah. I, I That's the magic word. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is a, this is a long, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So I yeah. think that that's something that I'm starting to see. Maybe you're seeing a little bit of it yourself, but I think it's it's a really positive sign. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm getting more and more um, kind of like collaborations between where it's the artist managers that reach out to me so that I can work with their artists. But then right. I'm kind of working in tandem with the managers and the artists. Um, right. Because everything that the artist is learning, um, it's interesting that the artist manager learns them as well, because that's always my argument. Like if you want a sustainable career, especially in the electronic music scene, but also in general, whether it's as an artist or as an artist manager, 
you need to be able to prioritize your well-being and to know how to do that so that your career can be sustainable and not just drop off after one year and that was it. And if you can both take care of each other, you will be able to work together for much longer and kind of nourish and cultivate that relationship, uh, right. which will bring you in a safer space to work within and in a more positive work environment. And, and that will just affect everything else in a more positive way. I mean, this is just kind of like a short summary of, of how these things kind of work, but this is also a holistic view on, on a person and on, on a business and on an industry as well. I, I completely agree. And, and, and the, the case study I shared with you mm-hmm. just then was just that. So the, the, the manager is an integral part of that process and, and the manager is actually now getting coaching themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, so already it's starting to filter out beyond just the artist and, and that understanding that the manager then has further, as you rightly say, helps the artist because then the manager's got a greater insight of what the artist is going through and, and the coaches yeah. explain that they'll be feeling this, this and this at these points. And maybe that's not something that the manager's been aware of before because we all have blind spots, right? We have our areas of specialism and that's what we're really good at. But you don't necessarily know how another human being's feeling in a given scenario unless they've either shared that with you, which if they're feeling closed about their thoughts, they probably haven't done. Um, or if somebody else that knows that has gone, look, this is something to be aware of. Here are the signals. Great. Yeah, no, totally. And I think also for the people in the entourage of the artists, it's 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 a good feeling um, to feel more empowered to know what to do when that happens and to see the signs right. and not be like, oh shit, I didn't I didn't notice it. Like, did I did I notice it? You know, you start to doubt yourself, and right. that's not what you want to feel like, obviously. Right. Um, so. I think this is all really interesting stuff. <laughs> so what do you think, so we've already covered a couple of interesting examples and, and case studies, but what do you think we would need or who do we need more of in the future if we want to go towards a more positive work environment in electronic music and in the music industry in general? So what we're discussing here, I think, is a foundation to it where you are introduced to the industry from an early point that coaching and mental health is integral to your success. So if you're an, exa- if you're an artist, for example, um, so you're focused on um, working in the studio, on your live sets, on promotion, all of those sorts of things, and incorporating the fact that actually learning about your mental health, understanding your mental health, your well-being, and how to look after that through all of the various different techniques there are that you can embody, whether that's having a healthy diet, regular exercise, breath work, meditation, you know, whatever this pantheon of um, different solutions might be, but starting to incorporate something that that works for you from a a very early stage. Uh, And I think that's important to note as well is that, you know, this isn't what we're talking about here isn't something for the rich and privileged. The, the idea of getting a coach or mental health support, if you can afford your, um, you know, your 50, 60 euro gym membership a month to, to, to go and do that side of things, then, then this, this isn't too big a step to, to do this side of things as well. Um, and even if to begin with, you're only doing that once a month to get some external guidance, which is really helpful if you're an artist working alone in a studio or by yourself a lot of the time to get some external objectivity Mm. Um, it's hugely helpful as, as, as we know, you know, that's, so, so I think really 
building these things in from an early stage is is vital and it's gonna that's gonna happen i think <clears throat> if you and i had the same conversation uh certainly five years a hundred percent in ten years it would seem strange to people that you didn't have this as part of your growth and career and development you know and we've got obviously there's a range of apps like calm and headspace and things like that where mm-hmm. people have got this um on their smartphones and, and access to it at hand um and then as, as an industry how do we care more for each other well mental health first aid training is something that the association for electronic music has been championing so this idea that you know if you go into any workspace there's going to be the designated first aider who's there and able to grab the green box with the red cross on it and you know apply bandages and put somebody yeah. in recovery position do all of the sort of triage stuff that you need to do to look after somebody if they've just had a an accident of some sort um uh, and we're campaigning for that same degree of knowledge to be in every workspace whether that's in a record label or as a festival or elsewhere um and also for the individuals um who are working alone to have access to that same knowledge Mm -hmm. there are the warning signs i see that i see what's happening here now i'm able to identify my behavior as potentially problematic yeah so that's that's when i say mental health first aid training it's not just about having somebody that's there to look after other people it's about training people to be able to look after themselves so that for me is probably the, the biggest shift is we're now moving to a place where organizations are putting in place people to look after other people whether that's coaches and artists mm-hmm. um, or as an industry we are saying to people that are up and coming through schools education i spoke at ims college malta um earlier this year back in september which is sort of demographic of 16 to 24 year olds on the subjects of mental health you know mm-hmm. that those sorts of conferences are doing panels specifically on that for people that are coming into the industry that it's just standard it's something that you do um you know in the same way that if you want to become a great producer you're going to learn um ableton you know if you're going to go and play out you're going to learn how yes. to use it as a cdjs uh, and if you're going to take care of yourself and have a, a long career then you're going to be able to look after your mental health so that's that, that's the big and very positive shift i think yeah i think that's really beautiful because um as you say yeah if you if you want to It's more about how to be a musician and not necessarily how to make music, I guess. Right. And especially if you're young and and you just come into it, you are so ambitious and and passionate and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So having these things early on will definitely, I think, um, weed out a lot of of issues and and being aware of certain pitfalls and how to navigate your way through that is, is I think also very valuable. Um, One of the things that I've also started to do a bit more locally here in Belgium is, um, for example, I started to contact music, um, music management schools um, to see if, if maybe we can incorporate a certain class or a recurring class on well-being in the music industry so that they can already learn it, you know, in school and then when they go out into the wide world already have that in their toolbox um, so i think that's also something interesting to think about in the future for it's all the great, it's a great idea and, and schools is the perfect intervention point yeah obviously yeah. where you've been up in all of these other things as well yeah for sure so if there are any schools out there listening right now <laughs> you know what to do <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure okay so speaking of the future are there any plans um for 2020 with afem that you can already share or hint at 
So I think I touched on it briefly. Um, we're earlier we're, we're launching a new website, which is going to provide a lot more functionality for for, for the membership. Um, so you'll be able to um, get in touch with other members more easily. It'll hopefully enhance the community. Um, that's, I guess, the online side of things. We're going to be doing more events, so we're going to be working with more conferences. We, we did 16 conferences this year. We're probably going to do about 20 conferences internationally uh, next year. Wow. Um, which is really exciting because obviously, again, it's um, a chance for us to go to the different territories where we have members to be able to talk to people on the ground. And that's where we have these conversations. Where, you know, It's where we do panels on topics like mental and physical health to talk about what you should be aware of, um, what you need to know. And it never surprises me. And I'm sure maybe it, it, you have a similar experience where you often talk to people that have been in the industry for, for quite a long time and they're not necessarily familiar with these things. So it's still very important to, to be continuing that, that conversation. Um, we've just taken on board a new regional manager, which is super exciting. So um, uh, Tiffany Yu has just come into role. So she's sort of uh, my opposite number in North America. Um, she's previously worked at 360 Group, um, working with people like Calvin Harris. Um, so she's going to be leading up that side of things in North America, where we've got a, a very big cohort of members. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're looking to do some, some, some more events over there. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot in store. I probably can't talk too much about the specific events themselves. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah we, we, we've, got a, we've got a lot of really good things coming there. Um, and we've got several new wonderful new members waiting in the wings as well, who, who are going to hopefully go, go public as well. Okay. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, we're, we're wrapping up 2019 in a very positive place. Oh, that sounds really amazing. So to wrap up this conversation in a positive place, was there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? So I think just the, the sort of running topic of our conversation, which has been to talk and to share this idea of destigmatizing the, the subjects of mental health. Mm -hmm. So if you are alone and you work a, a, in a single capacity, whether that's backstage as a, as, as a, as a roadie or you're um, an artist working on productions late at night in a, in a studio or you're touring by yourself, um, reach out, talk to people, you know, reach out to people like yourself, um, come and talk to us here at the association, um, reach out to, to other professionals that, that might be out there. Um, it can sometimes feel like an industry where everybody's super connected and engaged, especially in the world of social media, mm -hmm. um, which is a whole conversation unto itself. True. Uh, so obviously, yeah, do not compare yourself to other people on social media. You are not your likes, you are not your followers. Mm -hmm. um, but, but don't be isolated, you know, reach out, talk to people, um, have the conversation and, it, and it's okay not to be okay. Um, have those conversations um, with people around you. Um, and, and if you are there and you see somebody next to you, turn to the person next to you and ask, are you okay? It's a really simple thing to do. Um, True. And it can make a huge difference. For sure. Thank you so much for this beautiful message to end this episode with. And thank you again for your time and your beautiful nuggets of wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I wish you a really, really lovely rest of your day. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you.
we're done that was the final episode of this year with Tristan Hunt and he put it really beautifully if you are in need of support then please do reach out you can feel free to reach out to me and talk to me about anything in this episode that resonated with you or just anything you're struggling with and that you need to see solved you can email me at captain at the unicornmothership.com and as per usual every episode i'm giving away a coaching session so if you would like to claim that if you would like to dip in your toe into the holistic coaching space if you need a strategy session if you just need a talk please let me know you can claim your coaching session by emailing me captain at theunicornmothership.com and i wish you a lovely lovely end of the year and i will see you again in 2020